This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. for another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And we are broadcasting from the surface of the sun. Live, live, live. <laughs> ah, from the center of the solar system. It's too hot. It's too hot. You know, we were having this discussion uh, before we went live, but it, it was too hot a month ago. Like, we're in the <laughs> middle of June I don't want to know what August is going to be like. <laughs> How do you think I feel? I work in an unair conditioned uh, shirt t-shirt shop. I feel like die. that's some kind of ethical breach <laughs> that you you need to resolve. Yeah, I keep I, I keep telling my boss I need to install some fans or something because it's just not cool. Have uh have your boss look up the company Big Ass Fans. Yeah, Big Ass Fans. And get, get, just get a Big Ass Fan. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So how yeah, was your week? I, uh, very busy. I actually did uh, a good amount of traveling for um for work. I had a a pretty big video project that I had to get together at the end of last week, and I had to drive to Panama City mm. on Wednesday to do uh to do some interviews and shoot some footage, and then uh worked worked pretty late on friday but uh the good news is i'll i get comp time so i'll be uh unless things go crazy then i will uh i have a nice early day on friday that's and have like a two and a half day weekend that and uh sunday i did some yard work and like we were saying it was like i was out there for an hour and my shirt was just drenched (laughs) in sweat it was just Mm -hmm. insane so I went to this weird place called the Bargain Bin the other day and mm-hmm. um, got me a uh, this handle. Can you handle it to me, the thing that I bought the other day for the Switch? And uh, it's like the it's Oh, yeah, I saw this. Hook your Switch into. And I got this thing for... Thank you. I got this thing for six bucks. And you put your Switch in it, and it locks it in place, and you've got grips for the switch anybody watching on the video um but it doesn't have any real markings or anything on it so i don't know who makes it um and it didn't come with a box but it's one of the best investments i ever made for my nintendo switch that's really cool i've never seen one that like that before that you put over the entire system like you know you have like i've seen joy con adapters but yeah nothing for the full switch that's pretty sick it's actually i did notice something on the back here it's got an etching I think it says O-T-V-O, I think. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look that up. But, uh, yeah, if you come across one of these, this thing is awesome. It's so cool. And for that price, you can't beat it. Oh, yeah. Well, this place, the bargain bin's crazy because it's one of those places that I've never been there before. And they have all – you go in, and it's like everything's like a certain – price for the day and we went on saturday and everything's six bucks and you go in there and they have these huge bins of stuff you look through and it's like food and like just all kind of random stuff so this was just like a random thing that i ran across that and picked it up and got it for six bucks so i don't know how much they retail for but if you can find one for six bucks it's worth the price oh absolutely I need to find one myself because I, I, I'm sure I'm like you, you know, like I, I like the switch. It, it fits good in my hands, but mm-hmm. after a while, like the sides of your palms can get a little, yeah, little uncomfy. Well, I'm telling you, if you get this thing, like the, just having those grips on it just makes all the difference in the world. Oh, for sure. I bet. But uh, I'm kind of ready to go into the news. How about you? Yeah, let's do it. Tonight's stories come to us from uh, Armez Jackson, I am the Rampage, and Mr. Tyler Watson. 
If you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. And this first story is, of course, from NintendoLife.com. Blade Runner Enhanced Edition is nearly here, and it's getting a physical release. After its initial announcement back in March 2020, excitement for Night Dive Studios' Blade Runner Enhanced Edition fizzled out when the game was delayed indefinitely later that same year. Over two years later, the game finally looks to be near release, with limited run games announcing a physical uh, edition of the title. Pre-orders will open on June 24th at a price of $34.99. It comes with both classic and ultimate editions of the games, but currently the website only displays the standard version. I find it funny that this headline says, Become the Hunter and the Hunted. In Los Angeles, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> the, fu- the future. <laughs> the future is now. No, I feel like this is it's becoming a trend, you know, every week that we talk about here on the show where some type of classic or older game is getting some type of remaster and re-release. I mean, we're we're in the age of reboots, renewals, legacy sequels, things like yeah. that. So th- this is not surprising to me at all. I'm a huge Blade Runner fan, so I'm, a, I'm so excited for this. I saw Blade Runner for the first time a couple of years ago and really enjoyed it. I love so, Blade Runner. I love that world so much. Oh, I do. I do, too. And uh, Joey, in the ch- Joey Image in the chat room said that, yes, uh, OTVO is uh, a brand that makes those these kind of accessories and uh the switch grip is sixteen dollars on Amazon. Hmm. So you can go get so one right now for sixteen bucks. I mean still for sixteen dollars, yeah. that's not terrible. It's worth every penny. I'm telling you, you should hit that buy button right now. Buy it now. Also shout out to the Emerald Coast fact checker, Mr. Oh. Brandon Rutledge, who's in the chat. And, uh, happy birthday, Mr. Brandon Rutledge. Yep. His birthday happy was the belated other day. birthday, my friend. Uh, somebody else's birthday was recently too. Uh, well, Joey Image had a birthday. Yep. Last week, and uh, yep. everybody's having birthdays last couple yeah. weeks. Yeah, yours was a couple of weeks ago. Yes, Brandon's, Joey's. So, yeah, it is the season of birthdays. But yeah, I I'd be interested in this. Like I, I've I haven't played Blade Runner. I have very limited knowledge of that world, but I like what I've seen. So, not not too bad. Uh, and Joey, uh, the PS1 and PS2 we consider retro. I, th- I don't think the PS3 is considered retro just yet because he said the new PlayStation Network subscriptions plans launch today. Yeah, I think we'll need to wait a couple of years till we consider PS3 retro. Yeah, I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm not ready to count the 360 <laughs> as a as a retro console. I'm just I'm not not ready. No. No, it's getting to the point now where even when we talk about stuff from the 2000s, I start to just be like, you know what? Just put me just put me in the grave. Yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> this next story, it. I was so excited when I heard this, this when it dropped the other day. Yeah, so uh, this comes to us uh, as well from NintendoLife.com. Flashback returns in long-awaited sequel on the Switch this winter. Speaking of, you know, long long-awaited reboots, uh, sequels, and whatnot. We haven't heard anything about Flashback 2 for a little while. The sequel to the oft-forgotten 1992 classic was teased last year, and yeah, we may have been a bit cheeky with our headline, but 30 years have passed. Uh, But we finally got a new look at the upcoming Flashback sequel at this year's Summer Game Fest. The short minute-long trailer confirmed that Flashback 2 will also be coming to Switch along with all other consoles, and there's a link to the trailer uh, that you can watch um, in the article. It says here that Flashback 2 will be released in winter of this year on PlayStation 4, PS5, Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. The Switch version will follow in 2023. So I knew of Flashback, but I never played it. But the trailer looks really cool. I watched it a little while ago, and it, it seems like a game I can get into. Dude, the original flashback is so cool. I got it on the Switch uh, a couple of summers ago, and I don't think I ever did a review of it. I, me- I think I meant to, and I never did. So that that's going to be something that's coming up soon, because that was one of the very first computer games I got with my Packard Bell uh, 386 that I got back in 1993. Um, when my dad got us that computer, it, it, there was a package deal that if you get the computer, you would get three free games from Office Depot. And I got mm-hmm. Flashback, 
uh, Seventh Guest, and um, The Dark Half. Those were the three games I picked up. We should review more PC and computer games. Like, I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface with those. Oh, I know. I still want to go back and play all those old Monkey Island games, too. Yeah, and I want to dive into some of those Star Wars games that I never played. Yeah. I almost bought um, Dark Forces the other day, and I didn't do it. One day. Uh, from NintendoLife.com, Capcom Arcade Second Stadium brings 32 classics to Nintendo Switch this July. Uh, following, um, let's see, Cap... The following from a Capcom Arcade Second Stadium leak, the company has now locked in the release date for its second compilation in the series. It'll be launching next month on the 22nd of July for all platforms, including Nintendo Switch. As already confirmed, there will be a whopping 32 classics on the collection. On the collection, here's just a couple. Um, let's see. Uh, Black Tiger, Street Fighter, Tiger Road... Last Duel, um, King of the Dragons, Knights of the Round, Saturday Night Slam Masters, Dark Stalkers, Night Warriors, Street Fighter Alpha, Warriors Dreams, Mega Man The Power Battle, Street Fighter Alpha 2, Stri uh, Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, Mega Man 2 The Power Fighters, and uh, let's see, Street Fighter Alpha 3, and Hyper Street Fighter 2 The Anniversary Edition, and that's just scratching the surface. I'm curious as to how much the full collection is going to be. It says here you can get uh, each game individually for $3.99, but it doesn't say how much the full compilation is. I don't know. I wonder if you, you can probably just buy the full bundle. Yeah, it says you can mm -hmm. order the full bundle, but it doesn't give a price. I, I watched the trailer. It. I'm not extremely familiar with a lot of those classic arcade games, but it looks cool. Anything Capcom with Capcom's name on it from from back then was awesome. Yeah, the, this I, I've been meaning to dive into like these classic arcade games too. So don't have much longer to wait. Yeah, launches twenty second of July. Capcom and you very rarely misfired back back in the day. So I, and I got the first arcade stadium for the Switch, and uh, it's got a lot of great games on it. Highly recommend it. Probably going to go ahead and pick pick up this one as well. Joey Image says he loves Black Tiger. I've never played that, but I'm sure I will. If if Joey says it's great, I will, I will trust him on that. Ringing so. endorsement. Yep. So uh, whenever I get this, that'll be one of the first games I try. So this was really cool. Again, this comes to us from NintendoLife.com. I feel like they should just sponsor this yeah. show at this point. <laughs> uh, best video game soundtrack category added to the Grammy Awards. Many people have lobbied for video game soundtracks to officially be recognized by academies. Academies. Is that academies for years? And now it finally looks like their efforts are about to pay off. The Recording Academy, known for its annual Grammy Awards, has added five new entries to its award categories, which are Songwriter of the Year, Best Alternative Music Performance, Best Americana Performance, Best Spoken Word Poetry Album, and Best Score Soundtrack for Video Games. The new categories will be part of the Grammys for 2023 onward. Uh, see, Recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr. said, We are so excited to honor these diverse communities of music creators through the newly established awards and amendments and to continue cultivating an environment that inspires change, progress, and collaboration. At the most recent Grammy Awards, the 8-Bit Big Band won a Grammy for its Kirby arrangement, scooping up the award for the best arrangement, musical, or acapella. I think this is long overdue, personally, yeah. because video game scores are vastly underrated, in my opinion. It's, it's almost like movie scores. Oh, yeah. You know, you have these, you know, compelling scenes and movies and the music can make or break them. And I think the same goes with games. Like, would, would Mario be the same without his theme song? Yeah, exactly. Would Zelda, or the Legend of Zelda series, be as iconic with if it didn't have the, the main theme? I mean, as cool as this is, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's finally being recognized, but this still doesn't make me care about the Grammys. <laughs> no, I, I'll be, I'll care about, who's nominated for that specific award. But. Yeah, that's the thing. This is probably the only category I would give a crap about. Yeah. What what to you would be 
the most deserving video game soundtrack to oh, win an award. Man, that's putting me on the spot. <laughs> uh, man, that's a really hard question to answer. There's a lot of good soundtracks. Just off the top of my head, I would say Link to the Past. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're going that far back, I mean, God, I remember going on listening to the the Seventh Guest soundtrack <laughs> it, all the time mm-hmm. because it came with the, the CD uh, of the soundtrack. Um, of course, everything Mario, uh, Super Mario World, Legend of Zelda, uh, Star Tropics. I mean, all those games had great music. Yeah, I remember Days back- Gone, Joey Emmett. Days Gone had some great music in it, too. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, back in the day of you know burning CDs and illegally downloading music, I had this uh, video game compilation set that I made where one CD had nothing but uh, songs from Nintendo and SNES games. The next had uh, GameCube. Mm-hmm. The or no, the next had N sixty four. Then the next had GameCube, and then I had one with like PS two and an Xbox, which was mostly the Halo soundtrack. Yeah. But oh, the, the music that, that'd be War- another one too. The music Halo soundtrack of- is incredible. Oh yeah, the music for World of Warcraft is awesome. Used mm-hmm. to listen to those soundtracks all the time. Man, there's a lot of good video game music out there. We that's that should be our. I know we're doing a top five next week, but our next one should be top five video game soundtracks. That, that's consider that done. Yeah, that that'll be. That'll be tough. And uh, really the last tough. story for tonight is uh, Xbox comes from TheVerge.com. Xbox Cloud Gaming will will support your game library later this year. Microsoft is planning to bring a lot more games to Xbox Cloud Gaming later this year, allowing Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers to stream from uh, some of their own game library. We're excited to share that later this year, it's our intent to roll out the ability for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members to play from the cloud, select games they already own or have purchased outside the Xbox Game Pass library, says Will Tuttle, Xbox Wire Editor-in-Chief. Um... Microsoft had originally promised to expand its Xbox Cloud Gaming, streaming to a full library of games back in 2020, but it never happened. And uh, says uh, expanding cloud, cloud gaming beyond just Game Pass games is all part of Microsoft's broader Xbox Everywhere initiative that the company is demonstrating further this week. It's also arriving in Argentina and New Zealand. And an Xbox TV app will appear on Samsung's 2022 smart TVs later this month. Microsoft is also detailing its Project Moon Moorcroft plans to bring E3-like game demos to Xbox Game Pass soon. I need to go ahead and get a, an Xbox. <laughs> I want a PS5, but I think I need to go ahead and get an Xbox. Yeah, the more I think about it, the Xbox just seems better overall. And I, I haven't dabbled really at all into cloud gaming. I'm still, call me old-fashioned, but I've been leery for a while about the cloud the only reason i like it is and i hate streaming games i tried to do that with uh, playstation now streaming games just suck but if, if they give me a way to save it to the hard drive and be able to play it that way i'm totally down for that and especially for games that i know otherwise wouldn't normally buy but i get i could try out just to see if i like them like I, that's you know that's worth it to me just to try out games see if you like them yeah no i totally agree with that but yeah i'm with you the more i read about the xbox and i i don't see myself getting a current gen console anytime soon but whenever i do it'll very likely be an xbox yeah i think i'm gonna go ahead and pull the trigger on that here soon you should and uh now we're ready for some video game history In June 5th of 1989, Bullfrog releases Populous, one of the first commercially successful God games. I tried to play this on the Super Nintendo not too long ago. I picked up a copy of it, and I had no clue what I was doing, and I meant to go get you know, the instructions off of the internet, and I never did, so I never went back to it. I feel like that's with a lot of the games of this type, though. It's like you just kind of have to dive in and just... 
just mess up do whatever you can i mean i was the same way with sim city like there's a little bit more structure in sim city i guess but i i with these types of games i just like diving in and yeah seeing what i can do but even i mean you have to have with populace you have to have some sort of uh, instruction manual to, to at least start to understand what you're doing. I played it for like an hour and can never figure anything out. Like I had no clue what to do. Yeah, I've never played Populous, so we'll uh, we'll have to do a review for that one of these days. Yeah. Uh, June 14th of 1994, Donkey Kong 94 is released for the Game Boy. It is a remake of the first four stages of the original game and adding 96 puzzle-based levels and new mechanics. I'm a huge fan of this game. I, it's one of the most underrated games for the Game Boy. Oh, oh yeah, that's why I never played this one. So I reviewed it a while back, and I know we, I we've been talking about doing um, revisits of games that we've played before. This would be one of the first that I would do, because I've kind of been getting a craving, because I the game I'm reviewing tonight, I've been playing on my 3ds and i have donkey kong 94 on it as well and i saw it in the menu and i'm like it's been a while since i played this game you know i i know it's sacrilegious to say this uh because donkey kong was so uh it's one it's an important game in the history of gaming the original donkey kong games and donkey kong jr uh and donkey kong 3 uh, especially the original donkey kong but I just don't like that game. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like when you, by the time you get to like the third stage, it's just impossible and I I just don't like it. I I get what you're saying and I I'm with you. I think it's it's more of an important game than an enjoyable one. But this adds a whole new element to it because with Mario you can do uh, backflips, handstands, there's actual more like there's more depth to each level. Once you get past the original fourth level from the original game and you go into the new stuff, it's mm. so much better. Like if I walked into an arcade right now and, you know, there were like 15 or 20 old school video games in there, Donkey Kong would probably be the last game I would throw a quarter into. I would probably play through it once just just to do it but i wouldn't sit there like if i you know if i die then i'm just be like okay i'll just move yeah. on to the next game i'm Ms. not Pac-Man. gonna miss pac-man will just take all my money yeah understandable uh june 30th of 1997 star fox 64 is released for the nintendo 64 in north america i still think if you bring star fox back it should be one of Nintendo's movie projects. Another dead franchise that Nintendo has let languish in the in the history of video gamedom. And you look at the original Star Fox, it was revolutionary. Like no one had ever played a game like that before on their console. I and mean, then Star it's Fox a space 64 shooter. What? That's the one genre that Nintendo does not have right now. Well, and as as short as Star Fox 64 is, it has so much replayability because there's so many different routes you can take. Mm. There's so many different combinations that you can do while, yeah, it takes you like maybe an hour, a little bit longer to get to, to venom and fight Andros. But then you can go through again and go a whole different route and do, you know, new planets that you didn't do before. Yeah. It's a very simple yet very effective formula that they have not been able to recapture with that franchise since that game. Think of a mashup between like uh, Breath of the Wild and No Man's Sky. Like if you made it like a small scale No Man's Sky and made it a Star Fox game, I think that would do gangbusters. Which is exactly why Nintendo won't do it. Yeah, they don't do it. They hate our money. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pretty much. And last but not least for this month in video game history, June 18th of 2001, Incognito Entertainment releases Twisted Metal Black for the original PlayStation. Yeah, just reviewed this a few months ago. You did. You did. I could not tell you the last time I played <laughs> this game. I do, I think there is a movie being made yes, based yeah. off of this. Yeah. Um, who was it that just uh, they revealed that he's the voice of Sweet Tooth? Um here, I'll look it up. Oh my gosh, it's like right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, come on, chat room, let Let's me know. See, Twisted Metal movie. 
Da, da, Who's da, da, playing da, da, da. Sweet Tooth? Um, uh, apparently Nev Campbell's going to be in it. Is she? I guess she's doing that instead of the new Scream. Oh yeah, because she's not going to be in Scream. Which, <laughs> I my interest for it, like, I'll still watch it, but I'm not as interested because, like, how do you get rid of your? I know, your, right? Thomas Hayden. Well, no, Thomas Hayden Church will play the lead villain. But that's not Sweet Tooth. No. Uh, somebody that j- they just added on the other day. Uh, Will Arnett. Will Arnett. Is oh, Sweet yeah. Tooth. He'll be good. Yes. He'll be good for that. I'm okay with that. That's so cool. That, I mean, you yeah. can't get more perfect than that. Is it crazy to think that his interpretation of Batman is one of my favorites? <laughs> no, it's true. But uh, but uh, before we go into tonight's review, Derek has shout-outs. Yes, as always, we've got to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Daniel Salmon, the fact-checker to the fact-checker, Mr. Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. Rampage, Rampage. Steph Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mr. B. Rez Coffee himself, Mike Eveland, and the Emerald Coast fact checker, Mr. Brandon Rutledge. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the podcast, helping us keep the lights on here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you know what they get? They get early access to yeah, our fun commentary tracks that me, you, and Wally do that's really become a like a a classic Rolodex of fun stuff that we've done between Gargoyles, Batman, the animated series, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, DuckTales, real Ghostbusters, full-length movies like Clue, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Wizard, Super Mario Brothers. You name it, chances are we've got it. Mm -hmm. And we've had such a blast doing those for you, the patrons, and you are the reasons that we continue to do so. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash retro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media information, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. We want to tell you all about our friends over at videogamesmonthly.com. If you're looking for a way to beef up your video game collection, then they have you covered. Just head over there, Pick the box you want and tell them what systems you want games for and boom, it's like Christmas every single month. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for a loved one or just treating yourself every single month, and I mean, hey, you deserve it. Just head over to videogamesmonthly.com and enter NCR in the Where Did You Hear About Us line at checkout and you will get a free game in your first month's box. That's right, an extra game absolutely free so head over to videogamesmonthly.com are you a coffee lover do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions well you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com they have so many different flavors of coffee doesn't matter what type of coffee you like they got you covered try the good for gaming roast or the two hardies one ship which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast not to mention They keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the fall spice or the sweet tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight we are going to be talking about... Even the middle of the road music for a Sonic game <laughs> is still pretty darn good, if uh, I do say the, so myself. Game Gear did not have the best sound chip because the, some of the music for this game was a little hard on the ears trying to pick well, something out for it. Yeah, I I like what they were going with with the music, but I mean the Game Gear when you really look at it wasn't that great of a handheld console. I don't want to get into a full on rant about the Game Gear, and I. <laughs> 
very thankful that I not I did not play this. We game only needed four on car four car batteries to run it for you know twelve <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so I, I'll say this about the Game Gear, and then I'll get into the actual game that I'm going to be talking about. So I did own a Game Gear when I was a kid. And every summer, my family would take vacations to our, our grandparents' camp house right outside of Tallahassee. And as I learned, you can't really play the Game Gear in the car because it doesn't last very long. So then I would just switch to the Game Boy. And then I'd get to my grandparents' house and I would, because you had to have the AC ad, uh, adapter mm. for the Game Gear. Otherwise, you just weren't going to play it. And I would lay in the floor and play the game gear but i'm like this defeats the purpose of a handheld console <laughs> it's not portable if you have to be plugged in exactly so is it really a handheld system yeah you hold it but is it portable and but that's a debate for another time how did did, did the did the game gear have a backlit screen yes oh that's why it was uh, such yep. a drain that's that's why the game boy like it's st if I still had my old Game Boy right now, it would probably still be running with the original batteries that I put in it when I first got it. Well, yeah, all you'd have to get was the little uh, the little light that you plug into the side, and it has the little like <laughs> twisty cord, and then you have like yeah. it looks like a little house lamp. Yeah, that you put right right above your screen, and you gotta like angle your head like this to even see the screen. But I don't want to completely bash the Game Gear because it, it did produce some some okay games, one of which uh, I'm going to be talking about tonight. Sonic the Hedgehog Triple Trouble is a 1994 platform game developed by Aspect and published by Sega for the Game Gear. It's the sequel to Sonic Chaos and features classic side-scrolling Sonic gameplay. So I don't want to dive into the gameplay too much because if you've played a Sonic game, you know how it works. You can choose either Sonic or Tails, and your goal is to get from the starting point of a zone to the end, usually as quickly as you can. Though the game, it does move noticeably slower than a game on the Genesis, like the original Sonic or Sonic 2. Yeah. Probably because of the limited hardware of the Game Gear. The graphics, though, don't look, they don't look bad for what they are. I mean, the colors pop pretty well, especially, you know, the bright blue of Sonic and it, it captures the universe fairly well. There are some, some issues continuity wise. And I I'm assuming that story wise, this is like in another universe. Like it's not part of the main Sonic timeline because for, for long time Sonic fans, you know, when the chaos emeralds were introduced there are seven of them still are to this day, but in the story of this game, there are only six, hmm. which I, even as a kid, I never really quite understood. So basically your, your goal is you get from one end of the zone starting point to the end and you try and get as many rings as you can to help raise up your score. Um, that helps you get continues because the game is not really that, difficult there aren't that many enemies and i'm assuming again that's because of the game gears limited hardware but the level designs are pretty cool like if you if you know sonic you know how the layouts usually are you start out in your you know, tropical area and then you might go to your water-based um your technological city type place when you get to the end when you have to eventually fight robotnik which is interesting because you don't fight robotnik at all until the very end of the game. Because usually when you get to the end of a zone, you fight Robotnik in some type of, you know, weird contraption that he's inserted his uh, egg robo into. Yeah. But with this, you fight enemies that are kind of patterned after the environment. So in one of the levels, you fight a giant floating robot turtle, which sounds weird, but it actually kind of fits. Another reason why this game is a little weird story-wise is because Knuckles is a villain again, and he's like fighting alongside Robotnik, but if you follow the storyline, it doesn't really make sense. So it's like, okay, again, this is just in a different timeline, so you have to kind of forget it. When you get to the end of each zone, Knuckles shows up to... Uh, 
stop your progress and he like hits this button and transports you to another zone. But your your goal is to collect all the chaos emeralds. So Robotnik already has one. So you're not going to be able to collect all of them until the very end of the game. What I like about this game is the design of the special stages or one of the things I like about this game. So the special stages are where you go once you complete a certain objective to get the chaos emeralds. In this game, the little monitors that you will break to get, say, like rings or power-ups, you find one that has a picture of a chaos emerald in it. Well, once you get 50 rings and you break it, it transports you to this other dimension. And there are two different possibilities that you can go to. The first one, and I believe it's when you try to collect the first, third, and the fifth emerald, is you have to go through this obstacle course that's loaded with springs and weird jumps that you have to make. Hmm. But you only have a certain amount of time, but there are ways that you can add time to your progress. Where you break one of the monitors that has a clock in it, it adds 30 seconds to your timer. Otherwise, it would be impossible. Hmm. And the layout of that is really cool because if you make one wrong move, so there'll be like little divots in the floor with a spring on each side. So if you hit one, chances are you're just going to go back and forth really fast until you have to jump out. And then chances are you're launched into another spring and then it just gets all crazy. So that's like the closest thing you get to the chaotic environment that the Genesis games can be. But um, it still plays really well, even though like as I never beat this game as a kid and I came very close to beating it. You're leading up to the show. I got to the last zone. So did you play it on the original Game Gear or did you emulate mm-hmm. it? Yeah, original Game yep. Gear. Well, so in playing it for the show, I, I've been, I've had it on my 3DS for oh, a while because okay. they, they have most, if not all, the Game Gear games. Well, I guess you used to be able to get it on the 3DS. Yeah. <laughs> you still can if you if you want to get the, the eShop cards. Yeah. You can still do that because I've thought about getting the rest of the Game Gear games to eventually review those. Because I, I haven't played them since I was younger, and they didn't hold my interest as much mm. as the Genesis games go. And I would say for this one, the case is pretty much the same. It still feels and plays like a Sonic game, but almost like a simplified version. Like the the zones are not very difficult. You know, I, I had built up to where I had, I think, like 10 to 12 lives and four continues stashed away before I started, like getting to a part of the the game that was relatively difficult. Um, what are some other things? So, oh, one cool thing about this game is so so you can play as either Sonic or Tails. With Tails, when you get to the aquatic world, you get to um, go through it in a submarine that he built called the Sea Fox that they then carried over to the comic book series because uh, back when Archie comics published the Sonic comic book, every now and then they would release this huge, like special comic book that was like double the size of a normal issue. Mm. They did an adaptation of, of this game. And I, I wish, I wish I had the physical issue with me. It's at my parents' house with all my other Sonic comics, but uh, it was cool when they would adapt, you know, the storylines like that and just kind of flesh them out a little bit more because they don't tell too much of a story in the actual games themselves. That's if what I was going to ask. Does it? Does this have like a, a storyline that kind of goes along with the the other Sonic games, or is it kind of a standalone thing, or does it even have much of a story to it? It, it the way I look at it is that the Game Gear games are their own story. Because in this, Sonic is fighting Knuckles along with Robotnik. Whereas in the Genesis games, when this probably would have taken place, Knuckles would have you know, seen the error of his ways and been on Sonic's side. Mm. But um, it, it gets very confusing, but you kind of just have to kind of forget about it and just kind of go along with it. Yeah. But the, the, the storyline is that Robotnik, of course, is after the Chaos Emeralds, and he's tricked Knuckles into thinking that Sonic wants them for world domination. So that's why Knuckles always shows up to impede your progress. But um, 
another cool thing too is that you you know uh, in the end of a, each zone how you hit the sign at the end and it spins really fast mm-hmm. and then shows a picture of Sonic to yeah. show that you've completed the the zone. So in this game, you can have different options as far as what the sign is, and depending on what it is, it gives you like rings that will add to your total for the end of the the zone or that you can carry them over to the next one. Um, so there are several different options. So if you're playing as Sonic and the sign spins and a picture of Sonic pops up, you get an extra life. Hmm. If you get a picture of tails, then you get just more points. Whereas if you play with tails and you get the picture of tails, then you, you get an extra life. Um, if you see a picture of knuckles, you get an extra continue. If you have a picture of an emerald, you get 50 rings that carries over into the uh, the next zone. So they they added a couple of, of new elements that I, I don't remember if they were ever in. It, actually, I think they were in some of the later 2D Sonic games. But um, th- this game was overall pretty fun to go back and play. You know, it's, as I said, it's kind of a very simplified version of Sonic. I think it's a combination of was probably marketed towards a younger audience. Yeah, and I imagine and, it's not a very long game. No, there's only like five zones, five or six. Hmm. Yeah, I figured and I made it, being on the Game Gear, they probably shortened their games a lot for that system. Well, it's like back in the day when I talked about Super Mario Land and how it seemed like impossible to beat <laughs> when I played it as a kid, and then I played it as an adult, and I'm like... I was probably the worst gamer of all time to think that this game was so difficult because <laughs> it just seemed like after I played it for a little over an hour, maybe an hour and a half, it was done. Yeah. And Joey uh, in the chat room, Joey Image, uh, go follow him at Joey Image TV on Twitter. Uh, he did his unboxing video for the Steam Deck that he got the other day. And he I said want one of those so bad. No, he says he's adding the full Genesis library right now. Wow. Yeah, I've been seeing the pictures he's been posting, and man, I just get more and more jealous when <laughs> I see them in in a good way, in yeah. a good way. But though that's that's awesome. Yeah, some of the comments. Uh, Joey says he loves the original Sonic. It, the original, I feel like it doesn't get as much credit because the sequels are better games because they add more elements and more dynamics that I think are better, but. You all got to start somewhere. Yeah. You wouldn't have Sonic Two without Sonic One. And I know you. You're a you're a Sonic Two guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I like playing the Sonic games, but I'll be honest, they're not. You know, I kind of take them or leave them. I mean, don't get me wrong. If the, if a new Sonic game came out right now, which I know they're working on some new ones, and it was a you know a brand new two D side you know side scroller like the originals, and it was great, I'll pick it up, but. I don't know. I just, I really didn't play it all that much when I was a kid. I only knew like two people when I was a kid that actually had a Genesis. So I didn't get to play them all that much. So there's not a lot of nostalgia there for me. Yeah. And I think though, that's where our conversations are so great on the show because different games have the nostalgic value for you than they do for me Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You know, like my, my love for Sonic didn't come from, the games it came from I, i'm sure you you've heard of the uh the classic supermarket chain the piggly wiggly yeah <laughs> we used to have one a few minutes from my house and i went grocery shopping with my mom this was back when they used to sell comic books at the uh at the grocery store and they had a sonic the hedgehog comic book and it, i remember i still have it the condition of it is terrible hmm. but it, it had a it was issue number two and it it had a giant wanted poster with Sonic on the front of it. And I was like, oh, this looks cool. And then I read like a couple of pages and, you know, comics were really cheap back then. So I got it and then I wound up collecting it well into the hundreds. And that's how my love for Sonic began was through randomly finding a comic book. And then that's when I found mm-hmm. out about the games, about the cartoon, all all that stuff. So it's 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 kind of 
it's kind of crazy how nostalgia can can work out. Joey's still naming off good <laughs> video game music. Double Dragon, yeah, we, Double Dragon's great. Well, I I don't want to put everybody on the spot, but what what if we did like a a big special episode of this show where maybe we bring Wally and Joey on and do our top five video game soundtracks? I, I'm 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 okay with that. We could do that next month. Yeah. That God, that that'd be such an epic discussion. Yeah, we won't be able, we won't have time for news or video game history. Nope. We'll just nope. It it's just top fives. Yeah. But yeah, it, I'd be curious to go back and revisit some of the other Game Gear games uh, when it comes to the Sonic franchise because I remember playing Sonic Two, and I remember playing Sonic Chaos. I don't remember the first one, though. I'm sure I did play it. But you know how some of those memories are, whereas like some of those video game memories, like with Link to the Past and Mario World, I could tell you the exact layout of my room. Yeah, exactly. That I grew up in. But with these, I can remember playing them. But other than you know being at my grandparents' camp house, not not too much. So it, it was almost like a like a new experience mm-hmm. for me. And I never got to play any of these, uh, any kind of handheld stuff back then. I just was never a handheld gamer until the Switch. And then <laughs> my love for handheld gaming came to the surface. I bought an original Game Boy back in, when did, uh, when did uh, Link's, um, Link's Awakening? I was early i want to say it might have been like 92 or 93 yeah i think it was somewhere around there it was one of the very first things i ever bought with 93 money earned was i bought the bundle uh with link's awakening and i think i maybe played it for like a week and i was done like i'm just not a handheld gamer until now which is interesting because you went back and played the remaster and you thought it was great loved it I, I would love to see another 2D, well, maybe not necessarily, two, like 2.5D, like that art style for Link's Awakening. Mm-hmm. I would love an original Zelda game with that same gameplay. Like that, As much as I love Ocarina of Time and Breath of the Wild, Majora's Mask, when I think of Zelda, I do think of that 2D top-down yeah. view, like in the original and... Uh, Link to the Past. They should do that. with they've. I mean, they've already got the game engine. They already know they can do it. You know, they did it with Link's Awakening. Just take that game engine, all those assets, and just give give us a complete new uh, uh, Zelda game in that style, the original top-down Zelda style. Give us a whole new adventure with just a gigantic map. I mean, something that you can spend, you know, 75 hours, 75 to 100 hours exploring. I mean, you you don't have to twist my arm. Like, I mean, if they it has already, Zelda in the title, you know I'm going to get it. They've already got my money if they do it. They just have to do yeah. it. They just don't want my money. Well, and, and it's, I'm glad you brought something like that up because that's something else I was thinking as I was playing uh, Triple Trouble is I know that Sonic Team is working on a new Sonic game. I think that, and I'm very curious about this open world game. I don't, I I'm still not entirely sold that Sonic is a good fit for an open world type game, but I think with the game that Sonic team is making, they need to get back to basics and back to fundamentals. Just give me, and I still like Sonic mania, but give me, give me an old school style Sonic game. You can even do the same graphics as Sonic two or three play as Sonic play as tails or knuckles, all new original zones, and I think you will sell more copies than you might think. Yeah. Make it open world, but then there's certain sections you go into and it turns into a uh, 2D, old school, Sonic style, you know, go as fast as you can type of thing. That could work. Because as much fun as I've had with the more modern Sonic games, going back to Adventure for the Dreamcast, most people can't dispute that that's like 2d is where sonic belongs like that style of gameplay it doesn't really work in 3d like they've made it work i think as best they can but i still just i i get the most joy out of a sonic game 
when I play Sonic 2 or Sonic 3 or something in that same style. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, so it's hard to take that character and put him in a 3D world because he's based off of, you know, speed. Like as going as fast yeah. as you can. How it's how do you translate that to a 3D environment and making it make it compelling and I don't know control it I I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say it's just that just seems impossible to me the style of Sonic is chaos yes like that's really (laughs) what it is is that you can't really think too much like you just have to keep going and yeah a little bit of it is level memorization like a lot Mm -hmm. of games from those eras were but it's just so fast paced and that's what makes it exciting yeah and you don't get that as much now joey said in the chat that sonic adventure for the dreamcast is great i don't disagree i actually really like the adventure games but i think if i'm ranking my favorite sonic games i'm gonna put like sonic 2 sonic 3 i'm gonna put those above the adventure games and really any of the other 3d ones personally yeah but that being said i i actually did kind of enjoy uh going back and playing Sonic Triple Trouble, I was, I never made it to the final zone before. And sure enough, before you fight Robotnik, you, out of nowhere, you have to fight Metal Sonic, which I was not expecting at all. (laughs) And like, he's, you know, he was a popular character from back then. I'm like, and I didn't read anything about it either. I was just like, oh, it's Metal Sonic. That's cool. I wonder if we're going to get Metal Sonic in the movie. The next movie. I would love, I would love that. But like with, and I don't want to go off on a tangent about the movie, but I, I knew they were going to go with Shadow because he's a more contemporary and popular character. But if they expand the universe, which I think they will, like I would even do Metal Sonic as a villain in the Knuckles series. Yeah. Why, why not? I'm Who the, else I'll, is going to be the villain? I'll be there to watch every bit of it. Yeah, same. But somebody. Honest, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I read somewhere that somebody was claiming that the that Sonic 3 was going to be out next year, and I'm like, there's no way. I think the I, only way they would be able to do that is, um, oh, you're t- you're still ta- you're talking about the movie, right? Yeah, they're saying that the third Sonic movie would be out next oh, year, but there's I'm, no way. <laughs> no, they're I, they're not going to release it so close to the Knuckles series. They're going to give the Knuckles series its space to breathe on its own. But I was thinking, actually, as we were talking about all this like, uh, about Sonic Three and the reason we've you've never seen like a a version of it available, like a remaster or anything, is because the music was written by Michael Jackson. And I think mm-hmm. if they were to do a remaster, they would have to completely replace all that music that was in the game. Well, that's what I'm curious about with Sonic Origins. It's coming out in a couple of weeks because it does include Sonic Three and Knuckles. They may, I don't know, so, they may have worked out a deal with Michael Jackson's estate. Because if you go on Spotify, they have compilations of all the classic Sonic games except for Sonic 3. Yeah. And that's, I believe that's why. That's got to be some legal pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. But if Disney can do it for Chippendale Rescue Rangers... Yeah. Oh, Sega Joe, can do it. Joey, I would play the hell out of some Twisted Metal Sonic. That sounds awesome. I want to play that right now. Oh. <laughs> I just had a, a a picture in my head of Sweet Tooth being added to the Smash <laughs> Brothers universe and just like showing up in his truck and just hitting Sonic full force with it. That would be cool. If they ever do another Smash Brothers game, like, I think that's the only way you can top ultimate is if you get like Master Chief and Sweet Tooth and just characters you would have never imagined crossing over. Yeah. Would just be insane. But uh, oh, one last thing I wanted to mention about uh, Triple Trouble. It did introduce, um, I don't believe he was in any of the other games, but he was a reoccurring character in uh, the comic books, Knack the Weasel which is he's a bounty hunter and you encounter him whenever you're in the special stages. So uh, there are two different options for a special stage. You have the obstacle course that I mentioned earlier, and then you fly um, tails plane, the tornado uh, to get to the end of the, the special stage. And at the end, you actually fight knack. Hmm. Whereas he was called Fang in Japan. 
And in the original um, art of the game, he actually carried a gun, <laughs> and that and that was like a a big no no. So yeah. he was he was redesigned to not have a gun. So mm. um, he didn't really make much of a difference or really an impact in any of the other games, but he was a reoccurring character in the comic book, which was really cool because yeah. they actually like fleshed him out a little bit more. So uh, that that's a cool little piece of, of Sonic history. But um, as far as the reception, uh, critics felt triple trouble was fun, but too similar to previous Sonic games and thought the series was beginning to stagnate. Other than the addition of vehicles, many criticized the game for lacking in originality I don't entirely disagree with that. Um, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 27 out of 40. Famitsu, 21. GamePro, 15 out of 20. And Sega Pro gave it a 71%. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would probably give it... I don't want to give it too low of a score because I didn't hate the game, but I I do agree in the sense that it, it was a scaled down version of a Genesis Sonic game. So I'll give it, I'll give it a five and a half. That's not I'll bad. give, I'll, I'll give it a very middle of the road. Like if you're a Sonic fan, definitely try it out. But if you're just a casual fan of the Sonic franchise, you're probably not going to care for it. Yeah. But it was, it was fun to go back. I, I'll be curious to, to see what I think of the other Game Gear games. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even think about doing Game Gear games for the, for the show. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first Game Gear review we've done in almost 300 episodes. And um, next week we are doing our top five 90s games. So anything mm-hmm. from released from the year 90 to 99, send us your top five list. Your top five favorite games of the 90s. Send it to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We've already gotten a bunch. We've gotten a uh, bunch in on Patreon and in uh, our email. So get them in. You have until next Sunday, the 19th, to get them to us. And we'll read them on the show next week. And I'm going to try and set the record for most honorable mentions yeah. in the top <laughs> five. Because I, I think I have like 15. Ooh, wow. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I was thinking I've about made- my list today. I was like, man, this is going to be hard. When you, when we came up with the idea, like I, I had mine done. I'm like, I know what it is, but it, it very well could change because it usually does. But <laughs> um, yeah, it, it'll be a really fun list. So many great games in the nineties. I can't wait. But uh, what's going on with feature presentation before we get out of here tonight? Yeah. So um, yeah. Thank you for those who tuned in to, well, I, I'll have to preface this real quick by saying that, Listeners of Feature Presentation got two shows mm-hmm. last week because I, I had a, a scheduling conflict with uh, Vernon Wells for Monday. So I re-released uh, an old episode of the Derek Diamond Experience, but it turned out I was able to reschedule with Vernon Wells. So that interview is still out now. One of my favorite interviews I've ever done for any show. Like He was just so great to talk to and very gracious with his time. So if you're a fan of old school movies... Definitely go check out my conversation with Vernon Wells. And tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time, I will be chatting with former Open Micers guest mm-hmm. and voice of Rosalina from the Mario series, Miss Laura Faye Smith. Awesome. And uh, for the Open Micers podcast, at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram, last week we talked to Raylan Nelson from the Raylan Nelson Band uh, and the Music is Funny podcast. Uh, she is the granddaughter of Willie Nelson, and that was a fun conversation to have. So go check us out over there at Open Micers. And I think that's going to do it for this week. What do you say? Let's do it. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro, Instagram, and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, and of course individually at jacefunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. Go get us, Go get our merch. We got merch at ncrmerch.com. We got t-shirts, bags, hats, um, stickers, magnets, whatever you need. It's at ncrmerch.com. And, of course, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where if you give us little as a dollar a month, you get all those extra commentary tracks for free and early. And... 
just keep the lights on here at the show. And if you can't do that, I know times are tough. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Gotta go fast. Yeah. Never rub another man's rhubarb. Hey. <laughs>